Man, I don't know how long Dr. Aikens has been saved, but it doesn't sound like he's gotten over it yet. Amen. Um, just a couple of announcements that need to be made. If you want to turn your Bible this morning to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, there'll be no deacons meeting today. It'll be next Sunday. Um, there will be an Ivory Coast missions team meeting tonight after service. And I assume if you want to be part of that, that you need to meet after service. Um, that trip is in December. And then you choir practice at 5 p.m. today in the, in the junior church room. So I believe that's got all that taken care of. Well, I have, uh, I believe I want to start a new book, start going through the book of 2 Peter. And then I also believe I want to start and go through the gospel of Mark. And I was really torn today about which direction to go and even out of Second Peter on what to preach this morning. But I believe I'm settled on it. Second Peter. Second Peter is sort of like the last words of the Apostle Peter. Kind of like you find in Second Timothy. And what you find in Second Timothy chapter 3 is really you find apostasy. You find a time when people are lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God and that they love themselves. And, and the Bible speaks much about that in the book of Jude as well. And so I think you can see some similarities in the book of Jude and, and in the book of 2 Timothy that there is definitely a time of apostasy that this is being written in, the closing chapter of Peter's life. But this is not a, really a negative book. If you look down at verse number uh, 8, for if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So chapter 1 starts off talking about being fruitful. And then if you look at the very last chapter and the very last verse, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I guess what I would say to that is this. I do believe we live in a dark time. I believe we live in a time when things are getting darker. I believe that things are getting more uh, vile. I think that things are not just coming out of the closet, but I think things now are being pushed to the front that really we ought to be ashamed that they even make television or make advertisement. The world we live in is definitely waxing worse and worse. But, but, now wait, now, wait, now, but, but Christianity can thrive in the darkest of times. And that's what this book is about. This book is not about being overrun or being over uh, swallowed up rather by, by the dark days we live in. Instead, it's about being fruitful and it's about growing. And I would hope that all of us, I would hope that all of us don't want to be a catastrophe of the time we live in. I would hope that if you're born again, that you want to be fruitful for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're born again, you want to grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That we don't want to sit stagnant. Listen, water that sits still is not water you want to drink. You want water that's, been, that's flowing or that has a spring to it. I, I don't want to leave this world being a dead Christian or just maintaining. I want a spring to be bubbling up in my soul and in my heart, helping me to thrive in a dark day. Amen. Amen. I believe that's here in the Bible. Now, if you read with me, I'm going to, Go past what I'd like to start with. Simon Peter, a servant 
and an apostle of Jesus Christ to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Lord, we thank You for this precious book. God, we pray today that You would take and set everything aside that would hinder Your message from going forth clearly. And I pray, Lord, the Holy Ghost of God would take and write on our heart today. And Lord, I pray You would open eyes today. And God, if there's somebody that's lost here inside of this auditorium today, if there's somebody lost listening by way of the internet or the radio, that God, today, today they would be born again by the marvelous grace of the loving Lord. And we'd be able to rejoice in it. And we'll thank You in His name we pray. Amen. Well, if you look there, the Bible says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. So someone has obtained like precious faith. The same faith that Peter has. The same faith that the apostles had. The Bible says, to them that have obtained like precious faith. To obtain something is to possess it. And what is the possession? Look at the possession, verse number one. That have obtained the like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is what I want to preach about this morning. Possessing the righteousness of God. I'm going to tell you this morning, listen. It, it really, it is an amazing thing to me that someone that is vile, Someone that is filthy-minded, somebody that has filthy hands and has gone to places they should have never gone, spoken things they should have never spoken. Somebody that's had a heart that's been dipped into the darkness of this world. It is amazing to me that somebody like that can be given the righteousness of Almighty God. That's an amazing thing. What he's saying here is that we have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. In other words, God's righteousness. God is righteous. Man is not righteous. The Bible says that all of our righteousness is, put a, put a plurality on that, are as filthy rags. That the very best we have to author is just like somebody that takes a filthy rag that blots all the oozing and the pus and all the nastiness that would come along with the disease. The Bible says our righteousnesses are exactly like that when compared to God's righteousness. In other words, I just don't have any righteousness without God. And the bottom line I'm trying to get at is this. God's righteousness is holy. It is pure. It is good and just and righteous. It is undefiled. If you could describe it as a garment, the righteousness of God would have no blemishes anywhere in it. It would be a garment that would be perfect. 
There wouldn't be any stain in that garment. There would be no spot, no blemish, no stain. If you described his garment of righteousness or his as a garment, it would be perfect. And it would be made of the very best material you could find. There would be no finer material made anywhere. And the Bible says that I can obtain like precious faith with us through the righteousness of of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in this auditorium and you're hoping to get to heaven without the righteousness of God, you'll never make it. You can be an independent Baptist with a King James Bible, and if you don't have the righteousness of God, you'll never see the inside of the gates of pearl, and you'll never walk on the street of gold. It is, it is absolutely necessary that you possess the righteousness of God. Now, I look at that, and if you look what the Bible says in verses 3 and 4, there's a word that's used. <coughs> According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. One of the things I'd like to start off with saying is this. The righteousness of God is something that is given. It is not something that is earned. In fact, if I could get you in your mind to think this way. If on this side is the righteousness of God, then on this side we have what I would call man-made righteousness or man-made religion. And here's what religion says. Religion says, well, if I can do just enough works to impress God, then he'll accept my righteousness. Or if I could abstain from certain things, if I could say no, if I could say, you know, I've never, I've never killed anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've never drank a drop of alcohol in my life. I have never used any kind of drugs in the entire time I have been living on this planet. And, and take all of those things and say, because I have abstained from those things, certainly God would accept my righteousness. But I'm telling you right now, on this side of the equation, my righteousness is never going to be accepted in God's eyes because God's righteousness is something that is given, not something that is earned. You can't work for God's righteousness. If you had to work for God's righteousness, where would you start? What would you do? How would you go back and undo all that you have done and try to make up for all that you haven't done? I mean, the hole is so large and the, the chasm is so deep. And somebody says, well, I, I'm, I'm sincere. I'm really sincere. You know, you can be really sincere and still not have the righteousness of God if it's a man-made righteousness. Well, you know, preacher, there's a lot of sincere faiths out there. They're, they're dedicated to their faith. They pray five times a day. They roll out their prayer uh, rugs and they pray toward Mecca or they abstain from certain things in life. I'm just telling you right now that your righteousness, man's righteousness is, is something that we try to work and we try to earn God's approval. You can't do it because God gives his righteousness away. I think I'll say that one more time because it makes me feel really good. God gives his righteousness. He does not sell his righteousness. He does not trade his righteousness. He doesn't barter his righteousness. He gives his righteousness away. How does he give it away? Well, the Bible says there in verse number one again that we've obtained like precious faith. 
God gives his righteousness based on a man's faith. If you possess righteousness today, it's not because you've been a great church member or you've been baptized. It's not because you've given a lot of money to the church or you've helped your neighbors. If you have the righteousness of God, it's because you put faith in what God said that he did for you at Calvary. And then God said, when you put that faith in me, then I'll give you my righteousness. Boy, I say praise the Lord for that because I don't have enough money to buy it. I don't have enough good works to stack up to achieve it. Listen, my, my last name is Logan. There's no royalty in my name. I mean, I've I, I just about decided I'm not going to look at any more news for probably a month. I'm going to try to just go on a fast. I'm not going to look at anything on the television when it comes to all that kind of stuff. Watching the royals walk around and looking at all these flowers and all the people taking pictures. And I, I heard people saying, oh, come our way, come our way. And I thought, I don't care if they come my way. I'm not interested. I, listen, my last name is Logan. I don't have any... Look, my family can't get me into heaven, but I've gotten into the family of God because of faith. Right, right. I may be nobody on the world's Richter scale. I may have nothing to offer anybody in Green. Greenville could maybe care less about who I am. That's all right. I don't, I'm not trying to trade my way into heaven by my popularity or by what other people think about me. Oh, no, 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 I, I'm, I'm not doing that. I put my faith in the finished work of Christ. And he said, I'll just go ahead and I'll give you my righteousness. I'm going to give you something holy and pure and just and good. I'm going to give it to you on your faith. Amen. I'd say that's a pretty good deal. Let's look at that in the Bible just a minute. I, I've got, I had two points this morning. I think I'm just going to preach one. Romans, Romans chapter 3. Let's see this truth in the Bible. Romans chapter 3. Man going about to try to earn the approval of God by the religion that he has, the righteousness that he has. Well, I'm better than this person next to me. I, I, I'm better than my neighbors. I, we don't fuss and fight like our neighbors do. We don't drink like our neighbors. I'm, I'm better. I have a righteousness that certainly God would accept. There's so many people that think that way. Right, but look, let's see what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 3, and I, I know many of you know the passage, but we haven't been here in a while. It'd be good to be back. Romans 3, verse number 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now watch. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. In other words, the righteousness of God is by faith. That's what your Bible says. Your Bible says that the righteousness of God is by faith. And I like what it says there, unto all and upon all. In other words, there's nobody that's not a candidate for the righteousness of God. Right. But it's only available by faith. It's not available by being a good church member or being raised in a good Bible-believing church. It's only available by faith. Look, look what the Bible goes on to say just another verse down. Verse number 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. That's a payment. Jesus Christ was the payment for our sins. 
He hung on the cross of Calvary. They spit in his face. They mocked him. They plucked out his beard. He hung there for you and I. The Bible says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Boy, I'm glad God was patient until I had the opportunity to say, I believe I want to be born again. But not only that, I, I put my faith in his blood. Now listen, if you're asking me, if you would ask me today, right now, if you were to say, Pastor Logan, what is the thing that you're putting your faith in? I'm putting my faith in the finished work of Christ. But I'm telling you right now, when you get right down to it, if somebody asked me, what are you basing your salvation on? It would be the pure, precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, the Bible says in verse 25, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, the Bible says. You can't get rid of sins by getting in a baptistry. You can't get rid of sins by going through some ceremony. But hey, I tell you where you can get rid of your sin. You can get rid of your sin in that crimson flow that Jesus Christ poured out at Calvary. And he only had to do it one time. So somebody tells you, oh, no, that happens every week in our church. Oh, no, friend, Jesus only shed his blood one time. And when he finished it, it was finished for that time and all eternity. Amen. Through faith in his blood. Then look what it says in verse um, 27. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. Nobody's got anything to brag about. When you get to heaven, nobody's going to interview you and ask you how you got there. Please tell us, how, how are you able to pull off such a feat? Nobody's going to ask you. You're not going to be able to say, by the way, I, <clears throat> I'm an independent Baptist. I got here because of the heritage. No, 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 no. The Bible says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. You know what we're all going to say when we get to heaven? Somebody asks you, how'd you get here? By faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I got the righteousness of God by faith in the blood that he shed at Calvary. That's what the Bible says. That's why the Bible says, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. I'm just in God's eyes. Would you think about that for a minute? You know, you can't be just in your own eyes because you know who you are. You know what you've done. You can't forget things you've done. There are other people that won't let you forget them. The devil won't let you forget them. But in God's eyes, if you put your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, if you put your faith in his propitiation, you know what God says about you? You're just in his eyes. It's as if you have no sin at all because you've been covered by the blood of Christ. Well, I, I like that. That's a whole lot better than being a Baptist. Amen. A whole lot better than being Catholic, being Methodist, whatever you may. It's, it's a whole, I, I'll, I'll take that any day over all the rest of you say, why? Well, look at it. Romans 3.10. Here's why. As it is written, there is none righteous. You see that in your Bible? God's righteousness is available by faith to all them that believe. But he says there is none righteous. I'm talking about the very best church member you can find. I'm, talk, I'm, I'm talking about the person that doesn't seem to have a flaw or a spot anywhere on their life. Their language is right. Their attitude is right. I'm telling you, there is none righteous, no, not one. 
And then look what the Bible goes on to say there in verse number 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You see, God says your righteousness is not enough. I remember when we were trying to reach our entire city there in Ardmore with the gospel, we had talked about illustrations on how to show people that they had come short. And, and the thought was this, there are some people, if they were trying to get to heaven, would come miles and miles short of entry because they've lived a wicked life. I mean, they have, they have all kind of vices, drugs, alcohol, profanity, gambling, pornography. And if you were to look at their life, maybe they've beaten their spouse. They, maybe they've abused their children. Maybe they took somebody else's life. And if they were trying to make the leap across the chasm of death and land in heaven, they would come so, so far away because of their wickedness of their life. But then you take the, are you listening? You take the very best man or woman you could find. And you say, can you, although none of those things are true, no vices, no immorality, no meanness to anybody, genuinely trying to help their neighbor. And at death, they try to make that leap across the chasm to heaven. You know what the Bible says? For all have sinned and come short. But now let me ask you a question. If you come short of the glory of God by a centimeter, or by 2,000 kilometers, you still come short. It doesn't matter how short you come. You still don't make the grade. You still don't get right to enter into heaven. If you're a centimeter, listen, if you're that far away, you still can't get in on your own righteousness, which I'm glad to say again on this side, that's all good because I've got faith in Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make that leap. I've got somebody that's already made it for me. Do you hear me? I've got somebody that's already made that leap for me. 33 years of spotless life. So the Bible's very clear. Romans says the righteousness of God is by faith, by faith. It's not by your works. It's not by what you don't do or what you do. It's only by faith. Then look at it again in Romans chapter four. Are you still with me? I believe I forgot to put my contact in. I can't see you right now. I can't tell if you're smiling. Oh, that lady smiled right there. I saw that. Amen. Thank you, ma'am. Romans chapter four. All right, look at it again. Verse number three. All right, we're talking about God's, how do I obtain God's righteousness? For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for, can you say the word for me? So Abraham believed God. Now Abraham's a very important man in history. Not only do the Jews trace their lineage to Abraham, but so do also the Arabic people and so do all the people of Islam. They go all the way back to Abraham. And Abraham, the Bible says it's not his works, but that he believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Look at verse five. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for, can you say the word? Righteousness. It's about the faith that a man has. Do I believe what the Bible says that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary was actually for me? Do I believe that that work on Calvary was for my sin? Do I believe that God accepted that payment? 
Do I really believe that Jesus Christ was put in a borrowed tomb and three days later got up on his own power and then he ascended to heaven and, and God the Father said, paid in full, the payment now is finished. Do I really believe that or is, is it something I'm trying to find the right religion or find the right way of thinking or maybe the right self-help books to finally get me that place where I've got peace in my heart? You're not going to find peace having your own righteousness. You're going to only find peace in the righteousness of God. I'm going to show you that. Romans, look, Romans chapter 4, look at verse number 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he have whereof to glory, but not before God. Do you see that? He could brag about it to other people, but he couldn't brag about it before God. Because if he was in heaven then he would have something to boast about. Look at it there again in verse number four. The Bible says, Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. Look at that again now. Now to him that worketh, I'm working, I'm keeping the Ten Commandments. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't take God's name in vain. I don't steal. I, I, I don't commit adultery. I, I, I don't, I'm working hard. The Bible says, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. God, you owe me heaven. Well, God's not going to be your debtor because his son's already paid that penalty. And what I'm saying is, again, Romans 3 shows that God's righteousness is by faith and that all of our effort won't get us there. Listen, if you're listening to me this morning, if you're trying to work to get to heaven, you're going to end up in hell. Now, I don't have any joy in telling you that. I really believe that there are many people in this world. That's why we had a missions conference. That's why we want people like Brian Lawson down in Brazil trying to get people the gospel. That's why we want them all over in, in Korea, in China, in Jamaica, in Malaysia, in India, in Mexico, in Japan. We want people everywhere giving the gospel so that people find out the truth. That you've got to have the righteousness of God to get to heaven. And it's available only through faith, not your good works. Look at Romans chapter 10. One more passage we'll look at. Romans chapter 10. In Romans chapter 10, the Bible starts off in verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel that they might be saved. So it's a desire on the writer's heart that Israel might be saved. I believe it's a desire that God has. And if they want to be saved, look, the Bible says there in verse number three, look at their righteousness, all right? For they being ignorant of God's righteousness. Are you looking at that in your Bible? They're ignorant of God's righteousness. And going about to establish their own righteousness. All these Jews keeping the law, looking at the temple, believing that that is the thing that's going to satisfy God, that these bulls and lambs and goats that they offer in the blood... They're, they're hopeful that that's going to get them to heaven, that God's going to accept that. They're trying to establish their own righteousness. Look what the Bible goes on to say. And have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. Jesus said, listen, he came into his own and his own received him not. He told him, I am come that you might have life. Jesus Christ came into his own and his own received him not. They said, no, we don't want you. If you're not going to be here to give us our kingdom that we want, then we're not interested in your spiritual help. I'm telling you right now, 
What they, need, what, they needed, what they needed was the help of a Savior in spite of their religion that they had because God says that they, they were ignorant of God's righteousness. They're trying to get to heaven. It reminds me of somebody saying there, there's many ways to heaven. That is not biblical. I remember when I first got right with God and I began witnessing to my friends that, uh, that I had uh, spent time with some of my good friends. And um, I remember going to one of them. His name was Kerry. And I said, Kerry, I need to talk to you. And he said, about what? I said, about heaven and hell. He said, okay. And so I talked to him for a while. And, and uh, we, 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 we went backwards and forwards. And finally he looked at me and he said, Joel, I'm all right. You're getting to heaven the way you're going. And I'm getting to heaven the way I'm going. And I, I, I did the wrong thing. I, I stood up. I hit the wall. And I said, No. If you keep going that direction, you're going to go to hell. And I remember he looked at me and he said, Joel, you are freaking me out, man. I said, well, it's the truth. And I tried to reason with him and said, listen, there's not two or three, five, six, ten, fifteen different ways. No, there's only one way. That one way is in the very next verse. Look at verse number four. Verse four, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. In other words, all of my energy, all of my efforts, everything I'm trying to do to get God to accept my righteousness is going to come short. But Christ, hanging on the cross of Calvary, paying for my sins with his own blood, the Bible says he's the end of the law for righteousness to all those that believe. And I'm telling you this morning, I believe. I believe I am not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I pastor Tabernacle Baptist Church. Nope, I'm going to heaven because I put my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now he says that is how you obtain. Go back and read it with me again before I close. 2 Peter 1, verse number 1. To them that have obtained like precious faith. It is a possession through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. They have obtained the righteousness of God through faith as a gift. It is their possession. Boy, you know, there's some things in this world that people treasure I tell you what a Bible-believing Christian treasures. We treasure the fact that we've been given the righteousness of God by faith. I'm telling you right now, if you pulled all the treasures out of my house, somebody recently just gave me a very nice gift, something that probably wouldn't mean anything to a lot of people, but it is a very, very nice gift. Anonymously. If I pulled that out there, if I pulled all the money I had out here, which probably wouldn't be a lot. If I pulled all the, the treasures that I've gained, all the, if I put all that out there and I said, this is what I treasure, my family, my wife, my children, my mother, my, my, my brother. The, the, if I put all that out there and I said, these are the treasures that I have, none of those would compare to the treasure of having the righteousness of God and possessing that, knowing that when I leave this world, I'm going to heaven when I die. Amen. 
I, I'm just going to tell you, I'm, I'm admitting it right now. I am not trusting in anything I have ever done to take me to heaven. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trusting in anything that I've abstained from. I'm not trusting anything that I've ever given to the church. I'm not trusting the amount of money I've given to missions. I'm not trusting in a ceremony. I've been baptized. I'm not trusting it. I'm not trusting the fact that I was born in the South. I'm not trusting the fact that I was born into a Baptist home. I'm, I'm, I'm not trusting any of that. I, all, all of that. None of that means anything to me at all. What means something to me is I put my faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary and I know where I'm going when I die. I know where I'm going when I die. I don't, I don't plan on going anytime soon. But if I have to, I know where I'm going when I die. You say, why? Because the righteousness of God is given by faith. Now, do you have that righteousness this morning? I didn't ask you if you're a Baptist. I didn't ask you if you're a good person. If you're listening by way of radio or the internet, do you have the righteousness of God today? If you don't, if you don't, what you need to do is you need to accept by faith what Jesus did for you on the cross of Calvary. If you'll just accept that, God, I know that I'm guilty. I know that I'm a sinner. I, I, know, I know I'm not perfect. I know my righteousness is not enough. And I admit it, I reject trying to get to heaven that way. And I'm going to accept what you did for me at the cross of Calvary. I'm just curious how many of you would say, Pastor, I sure, I put my faith in him and I, I'm so glad because I know where I'm going when I die as well. Can you say that? If you can't raise your hand this morning, if you couldn't raise it there beside that television or beside the internet, radio, put your faith in Jesus Christ while you still have the opportunity. Because it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. But we are guaranteed righteousness by faith. If you'd stand to your feet, please. Great start to a book. And I'm going to do something a little different this morning. The organ can play, and I, I don't want any music as far as singing. Dr. Aiken, you don't have to sing anything. And I'm not going to say anything, but in the quietness of your heart, I'm going to stand here. I'd love to take anybody and show you how you know you're going to heaven when you die. But in the quietness of your heart, while this, while this music's playing, if you don't know Christ today, why don't you accept him as your Savior? Would you do that? Brother Stephen, why don't you play if you would?
Well, we had somebody come say, I'm lost. I want to be saved. How about you this morning? Anybody else? bow your heads with me just a moment, if you would. Lord, if there's somebody here today that's lost, I pray, God, that you have opened their eyes and their heart to the truth of your righteousness, something that was pure and holy, without blemish, without spot, something available by faith. And Lord, I pray you'd not let the devil slip the lie back into their heart that they could be good enough, and their religion's good enough, and their baptism's good enough. I pray you'd help them to see that the Bible's right. And I pray, God, that you'd, you'd help them make that decision with every head still bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. Anybody else, did you trust Christ this morning? If you'd put your hand up, if you trusted Christ this morning, would you just slip your hand up high where I can see it? I see that hand. Now, I'm not asking if you've been saved. I'm saying if you trusted Christ this morning as your Savior, would you just slip your hand up? Let me see it, anybody. All right, I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. All right, if you look this way. Can we go out singing? Can we do that? We don't need, we don't need any music. Let's just try it this way. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How he gave his life on Calvary To save a wretch like me I heard about his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin. Amen. Can we lift it out together? Sing it now. Oh, victory. saved man saved man about that Thank God. God bless you you dismiss we'll see you tonight <clears throat> yeah, man.